Yippee Kaye! Down here in Texas, we got a Latin mass ban. The Bishop of Austin, Texas has allowed, hosted two celebrations of the traditional Latin mass on Sunday. It's always been kind of a, a crown jewel, a silver spur, if you will, in the Lone Star State, that the capital of Texas has had not one but two traditional Latin masses, not just in our state capital, but in the cathedral. Unfortunately, that is coming to end on March 19th, the feast of St. Joseph, our special patron. And the bishop says that this is because of Traditionis Custodis. So I'm going to read that letter. And before I do, I just want to wish everyone a happy Lent. We had an amazing 2024 Lenten game plan webinar two nights ago, the night before Ash Wednesday. It was our biggest webinar we've ever done. It was over 4,400 people on a live webinar, and I shared the history of Lent. I gave out worksheets. I gave out a reading plan to read Matthew and John's gospel and do the 30-day consecration during Lent and pray the rosary and the patristic format of Lent, the medieval Thomas Aquinas format, the crusader way of keeping Lent, of course, the modern way of keeping Lent. And I gave all those worksheets away and gave away free books and all that. It's great. If you want to watch the replay, we did record it. And if you want to be part of that, of course, you won't see it live, but you will see the replay below this video on YouTube is the link to watch the replay. Please click on that and do watch it because it was, I think, the best webinar that I've ever done. Not just because it was amazing content, we're all psyched for Lent, um, but because everyone in there, 4,400 people, were supercharged about not just, you know, I'm going to give up chocolate, I'm going to give up beer, I'm going to do this, but really using Lent to make it a season of discipleship under Jesus Christ, to get to to get to the resurrection on Easter and say, I am a new creation. I have recommitted myself as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you want that, if you want encouragement and you want a game plan and handouts and readings and all kinds of stuff, make sure you do click on that link and watch the webinar. But not yet. We're live right now. And we're talking about the Latin Mass in Texas. And as promised, I'm going to read this letter from the Bishop of Austin, Texas, from the diocese of, it's from the office of the bishop in Austin, Texas. And there's, there's actually something before I read, there's a little something that concerns me. You know, here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast, by the way, make sure you like it and subscribe. You know, I'm a big fan of Bishop Strickland. He's a personal friend. I would call him a spiritual father. He's a good man. If you like Bishop Strickland, go ahead and give this video a like to show your support. And he was removed last year by Pope Francis. And in his place, you know, you can't just have a, a diocese with no bishop overseeing it. In his place, let me share this. Here's the letter. They placed an, an apostolic administrator. Diocese of Tyler, here's the thing. Let me get this off here. 
our apostolic administrator is none other than Bishop Joe Vasquez. He was named apostolic administrator of the Diocese of Tyler by Pope Francis on November 11, 2023. Bishop Vasquez is the fifth bishop of the Diocese of Austin, Austin, Texas. So Bishop Strickland has been taken out of Tyler, and until they appoint a new bishop to Tyler, currently the bishop of Austin, Texas, is the apostolic administrator. So anything canonical, anything going on in the diocese, Bishop Vasquez is the one who calls the shots. And it's Bishop Vasquez who this week has canceled the traditional Latin mass in Austin, Texas. And that concerns me. I'm not telling people to get rowdy, to shoot their pistoles in the sky, to be rude. But I am going to recommend that the faithful in Texas, and particularly the faithful in Austin, Texas, beg and request that the bishop, for pastoral reasons, you know, everybody's all about the pastoral reasons. For pastoral reasons, let's reestablish the traditional Latin Mass at the cathedral because it had 600 plus people attending it. That's a success, Your Excellency. All right, so two issues. Bishop Vasquez is now the Apostolic Minister of Tyler, Texas. Second issue, Bishop Vasquez has canceled the traditional Latin Mass at his cathedral. Let's look now at the letter. Here's the letter. All right. Parishioners of St. Mary Cathedral, Austin, Texas. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as, let me scroll it so you guys can see it. There we go. As many of you know, the law of the church governing the celebration of Mass according to the Missal of 1962 has recently undergone a revision. In July of 2021, Pope Francis promulgated Traditions Custodis, which called on diocesan bishops to evaluate the place of these celebrations within the life of the local church and to designate the times and places for these celebrations. Traditionis Custodis also provided that places designated for these celebrations not be parish churches. Now, part of the game plan here, I did a, a really popular podcast video here on YouTube when Traditionis came out. Oh, Traditionis Custodis came out. It was called Endgame. Y'all know about the Avengers, right? There's a movie called Endgame with the Avengers. And I'm a Thomist. I have a PhD in philosophy, and I wrote my dissertation on St. Thomas Aquinas. My dissertation, if you want to look it up and read it, is called St. Thomas Aquinas on Natural Law and the Twofold End of Man. 600 pages. It'll put you to sleep. It's long. It's good, but it's long. As a Thomist, as a philosopher, I view everything through the lens of teleology. What is teleology? Teleology is the study of the ends, the finality, the purpose. Teleology is the reason for why something exists. It's the direction that it points to. And if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you believe in creation like I do, and you believe in eschatology, the Antichrist, the Apocalypse. So you believe in an Alpha and you believe in an Omega. You believe in teleology. You believe that God, 
created the heavens and earth with a teleology, with a telos. Greek telos means finishing line, the end, the target. So when God created the universe and he created Adam and Eve, he created it with a teleology, with a finish line, where he wanted it to go. This is why Jesus Christ, the eternal logos, is called in the apocalypse Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, because all things were created through Christ and all things will be consummated in the end through Christ. I know I'm getting philosophical here. I'm putting on my PhD philosophy hat. Why do I bring this up? Because the restriction of the traditional Latin mass, and not just by Pope Francis, it goes back to Paul VI. The restriction beginning in 1970, when the Novus Ordo was promulgated, I guess technically it's promulgated in 1969, comes into effect in 1970. The teleology of changing the liturgy, the finish line, their purpose. Remember, not just God has purposes, finish line. Satan has that, bad people have it, good people have it. If you want to order your life to God, you must every day think about teleology, your telos, your finish line, memento mori. What is the end game of the infiltrators? What is the end game of the infiltration? What is the end game of the modernists? What is the end game of the St. Gallen Mafia? What is the end game, as you heard Father Charles Murr talk about with me in the interview last week, of priests, bishops, cardinals, and perhaps even popes who do not believe in God? There are priests now and in the history of the church, not just in the last few decades who do not believe in God, do not believe in Christ, do not believe in the sacraments, do not believe in the miracle of transubstantiation. And it's not just a modern phenomenon. There was a very famous priest who rejected transubstantiation and that the mass was a sacrifice. His name was Martin Luther. This is a recurring problem in the 2,000 years of Catholic Christianity. It's called infiltration. You had one of the 12 apostles who did not believe that Christ was truly the Mashiach, the Messiah. If he did, he wouldn't have betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, not very much money. We kind of think, oh, he got, got a lot of money. No, 30 pieces of silver was decent, but it's not like he got a billion dollars. The teleology of the infiltration of the infiltrators, of the modernists, of the St. Gallen Mafia, is to change your beliefs. The infiltrators want to change your doctrine. Now, I was talking to a good priest the other day about this, and they can't just come out and say that. What they have to do is they have to do it in an incremental way. They can't tell you that the sacred body and blood of Jesus Christ is really just bread and wine that we, that we designate mystically or poetically as the body and blood of Christ. No, they can't come out and assert that. 
They'd be run out of town on a pole. What do they do instead? They promote communion in the hand. All the Protestant reformers, 100% of them, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli, Thomas Cramner, Martin Bucer, Melanchthon, the list goes on. 100% of the Protestant reformers instituted and mandated communion in the hand. And they even state why. I think it's either Thomas Cramner or Martin Bucer, Protestant reformers. They said it is important for the Protestant Reformation that communion is distributed in the hands because it destroys the Catholic belief amongst the lay people that it is anything more than bread. These evil men, heretics, Judases of the 1500s wrote down on paper and mandated through their Protestant schisms and heresies that communion in the hand must be enforced because it destroys the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation. Catholics in the 1500s, of course, opposed this. And yet for some reason, in the 1960s, Pope Paul VI had Protestants come to the Second Vatican Council and give him advice on how to reform the church and make the church better. And lo and behold, within one decade, you have the bishops and priests of various places in Europe, and I give you the timeline in my book, Infiltration. They start requesting from Rome indults to start having communion in the hand. And you may think, well, they didn't decree anything. But you look around, and I think the number, it floats around. I see different numbers. In the United States, 70 to 80% of Catholics do not believe in transubstantiation. If you went back to 1900, I guarantee you 95 plus more of Catholics did believe in transubstantiation. So something happened in the last century that destroyed belief in the real presence, transubstantiation. This, this. In the Old Testament, if you touched the Ark of the Covenant, you died. I remember, this is a great story. I remember being in South Carolina and I was with my oldest son. At the time, he's in his 20s now, but my oldest son at the time was probably around first communion age, seven, eight. We went into this church. It was beautiful in South Carolina and it had a really nice Glorious tabernacle. It was a beautiful traditional church. And the tabernacle was in the center of the church. And we went in to make a visit. And we were kneeling at the altar rail, if I remember correctly. We were kneeling at the altar rail. And my son, seven or eight years old, taps me and says, Dad, I'll never forget this. He says, Dad, if I touch that, will I die? And he was pointing at the tabernacle. We had taught him that that's where Christ, but he was, he was overcome by the architecture, by the layout, and by the centrality of the tabernacle. He knew that's where Christ lived. If I touch that, will I die? He, as a young sponge, 
as a young person who has been taught to believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the seven sacraments, the Eucharist, he was overwhelmed by a sense of sanctity. And he was taught to receive communion on the tongue, not on the hand. That fosters within young people and old people something that you cannot just teach out of a catechism or by rote memorization. It just hits. The young people today, they say it hits different. Just hits different. In the old, so he was coming to the conclusion that the, just as the Ark of the Covenant was so holy in the Old Testament that even the tabernacle would be so holy, normal people shouldn't just walk up there and open it or touch it. It's special. It's sacred. What happens if that same little boy or you or me then for the next 30 years goes up in an assembly line, no no rail, doesn't receive communion from a priest. It's from a middle-aged woman or Auntie Rita, body of Christ, thanks be to God, puts it in your hands. Your hands weren't washed, your hands aren't consecrated, your hands aren't sacred, your hands, you know your hands are not clean. That erodes belief. No altar rail, that erodes belief. Take the tabernacle off the center axis of the church, the centrality of Christ, put it in another room down the hall past the bathroom. Our Lord in time out. You need a treasure map to find Jesus inside of a Catholic church. That erodes Catholic belief in transubstantiation. The masterminds of the 1950s and 60s did all of these things, not just in the holy sacrifice of the mass, not just in the reception of communion, but they did it by eroding and changing the baptismal liturgy, the confirmation liturgy, the confession liturgy. Yes, confession changed. Extreme unction, the divine office, exorcism. They eroded that. And now, although it has been allowed by indult beginning in the 1980s and then especially under Ben the 16th, who said this, what earlier generations held as sacred remains sacred and great for us too, and it cannot be all of a sudden entirely forbidden or even considered harmful, end quote. Sumorum pontificum. What earlier generations held as sacred remains sacred and great for us too. So you can't come in and just ban the traditional Latin mass. Quo primum for me stands in place. Can't get rid of quo primum. The traditional Latin mass stands. So Francis and the St. Gallen Mafia and the infiltrators and the modernists want to undermine true belief. This is why they have Anglicans with invalid orders. I used to be an Anglican priest. I used to be an Episcopalian priest. I became Catholic. They currently this year and last have an Anglican, Episcopalian, Protestant clergy with invalid orders celebrating Vespers and even their own communion ritual on Catholic altars in Rome. Well, it's just being ecumenical. It's being friendly. But it erodes the Catholic conviction that our priesthood is the true priesthood, that our mass is the true mass. Well, maybe the Anglicans are valid too. 
it's a subtle incrementalism and they have a teleology. They have an end game. They have a finishing line and the finishing line is to change your beliefs. They also want to change your beliefs about marriage and sex. There's a traditional belief that you cannot have sex or orgasms outside the marriage contract and covenant called a sacrament, matrimony. Well, we're not changing that. We're just blessing individuals. We're just telling people in the confessional, just follow your conscience. Eroding, incremental eroding of what the church has always taught about human sexuality. And they always say, well, that's not what we're really saying. But then you look around and 90-something percent of Catholic couples are contracepting. Annulments are through the roof. People can't keep their marriages together. The graces of matrimony are being spurned and lost and confused. People don't believe in transubstantiation. People don't bring their babies to be baptized. People go through confirmation and never come back. These are facts. These are demographics. Yeah, but Taylor, it's like a modern world. You know what? The Catholic Church went through the Black Plague and the Mongols and the Huns and the Reformation and it existed in Poland and with the Aztecs and with the Japanese and the Australians and the Nigerians and every culture, every complication, disease, technology, all kinds of stuff. And it kept chugging along to, to come along and say, well, yeah, but like we have airplanes and vaccines now. So it's kind of different. Mm. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his solution to the human problem, which is sin and death, applies no matter if we have airplanes and space shuttles and vaccines and these stupid iPhones and Netflix streaming and pornography on every device in the world. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his, his method, his message, his gospel speaks to every single human situation that has ever existed, whether it's the Huns running into your town and burning it down and raping your women, or to a society that is soaked in degeneracy and pornography and usury and corrupt politics. He is the answer. That's why there's a crucifix over every altar. He is the answer. He is the centrality. Okay, back to the letter. At the time, says Bishop Vasquez, at the time Traditionus Custodis was issued, I granted a dispensation for St. Mary Cathedral Parish so that celebrations according to the older missal could continue there as I discerned the best way to implement the guidance of the Holy Father in our diocese. As required by the rescript of the Holy Father issued in February of last year, I submitted the case of celebrations according to the 1962 Missal at the Cathedral Parish to the Vatican Dicastery of Divine Worship to receive the guidance and direction of the Holy See. And here's the key. Having now received a reply, this is from the Dicastery in Rome, I wish to share with you some information about our path forward here at St. Mary Cathedral. Following the guidelines of the Holy See, the dispensation for celebrations according to the 1962 Missal of the Cathedral will come to an end on March 19th, the Feast of St. Joseph. 
After that date, I have instructed the cathedral clergy to begin offering at the 7.30 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. Sunday Masses at the cathedral according to the current edition of the Roman Missal. That's the Novus Ordo. These Masses will continue to be celebrated in the Latin language and will be celebrated at the cathedral's high altar using the Ad Orientum orientation. These liturgies will also continue to be filled with the church's beautiful treasury of Gregorian chant and sacred music. After March 19th, however, these liturgies will use the readings, prayers, and ritual found in the current edition of the Roman Missal. While this transition may be difficult for some, my hope is that you can open your heart and move forward on this path, path with, a fair, with faith and trust. I believe we will experience a deepened unity with the whole, within the whole church and a greater awareness of the liturgical richness of the ordinary form of the Roman liturgy. I assure you of my closeness and pastoral care as your bishop. Please pray for me as I pray for you. Sincerely in Christ, Most Reverend Joe Vasquez, Bishop of Austin. This is the bait and switch. You're losing the traditional Latin Mass. You're getting the Novus Ordo in Latin facing east at 7.30 and 3.30 p.m. There's a lot of people watching right now, and they're saying, what's wrong with that? Taylor? That sounds good. You know, Gregorian chant? Awesome. Ad Orientum? That's a win. Latin retained? Sacrosanctum Concilium? Check mark. This is a win. I don't think it's a win. And here's why. A lot of people think that traditional Catholics go to the traditional Latin Mass because we have a fetish for Latin. Or we have a fetish for Gregorian chant. Or we have a liturgical fetish for incense or lacy albs or Roman fiddleback chasubles. Not at all. Zero. I have zero obsession with the items I just named. In fact, some of them I think is kind of ridiculous. I know some trads will bark at me for that. Who cares? Caster stones. Like, I'm not a big fan of lacy albs. Anyway, the issue with the traditional Latin mass is not aesthetics. What is aesthetic? Aesthetics is beauty. All right. Aesthetics are important because we as Catholics believe in the transcendentals, that which is good, true, and beautiful. God, God is true. God is good. God is beautiful. His beauty draws us to him. It's an attractant. And so the liturgy should be good, true, and beautiful. The problem is, is that the Novus Ordo has prayers composed by a reported Freemason who was exiled to Iran. Last week, I had an interview with Father Charles Murr, who, con who confirmed it, was a personal witness of what was going on with Cardinal Gagnon in the 1970s. Confirmed by many in the Curia in Rome. A known secret. If you want to learn more about that, please check out my video last week, Did Freemasons Kill John Paul I? It's a dazzling title, but the true content is the eyewitness of Father Charles Murr, who was in Rome and was the assistant, the roommate of Cardinal Gagnon, who was doing the investigation on Cardinal Baggio, but also Bunini.
The Novus Ordo is influenced by Protestants. It has prayers and rituals composed by a Freemason, Annabal Bugnini. And whenever people bring up Novus Ordo versus traditional Latin Mass to me, I have a very simple response, and it goes like this. If I were to hand you two note cards, one note card has a prayer written by a canonized saint. The other has a prayer written by a Freemason. Which prayer do you want to pray as your own prayer to God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? The canonized saint prayer or the prayer composed by a Freemason? 100% of the time, I'm going with the prayer written by a canonized saint because that canonized saint achieved the greatest teleology, to go back to the term, and that is he got to heaven. He was tapped into sacramental graces in a heroic measure, and he went to heaven. He's a miracle maker. He is beatified. He is in the beatific vision with God. So his prayer would help me attain the same teleology, the same end game. Why on earth would anyone choose to pray the prayer written by a Freemason, which you know is subverted, inverted, perverted, and contrary to sanctifying grace and contrary to our teleology, which is to believe in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, transubstantiation, and the beatitude that it brings us. Just because the Novus Ordo is in Latin doesn't sanitize it. The prayers are changed. The offertory is changed. Instead of having the ninefold Kyrie that St. Gregory the Great says is apostolic and true to the Roman Rite, you have the sixfold Kyrie. You have a different lectionary that doesn't fit the cycle of readings and sermons of the saints of the Latin Church, which is a treasure. The calendar, the fasts changed, the feasts changed. That's why I encourage you to get my traditional calendar. I know it's February. We're a month and a half into the year, but you can still get my calendar. Go to taylormarshall.com and you can get the calendar. Because that shows you what Catholicism looked like traditionally before Anabal Bugnini started changing it. Freemasonry, infiltration. Which card do you want to pray? I don't care if, the, if, both, if you said, here's the card written by a canonized saint in vernacular English, and here's the card written by a Freemason, but it's in beautiful Latin. I'm going to take the one in beautiful Latin by a Freemason and throw it in the garbage can, and I'm going to pray the prayer written by a saint because I want to have the identity as a saint, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So just because Bishop Vasquez in Austin, Texas, is going to say, hey, don't worry, we're going to have Latin, you're going to face East, you're going to have Gregorian chant, that's good. I'll even give a standing ovation for that. But Francis knows, and the Dicastery of Divine Worship knows, that they cannot tolerate the traditional Latin Mass because it has a different theology. It has a different teleology. 
It is written 100% by saints, and the Novus Ordo is not written 100% by saints. And I know that's a challenge to a lot of people watching because they'll go to the Novus Ordo and they're saying, well, are you saying that the Novus Ordo is inferior to the traditional Latin Mass? And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to risk offending some of my audience. And I'm going to say, yes, the Novus Ordo is not as good as the traditional Latin Mass because of the way it was formed. Eucharistic prayer too written like the night before on a napkin at a pub or a bar somewhere, a restaurant. You know, the history of the liturgy under Annabal Bugnini, the crafter of it, is a tainted history. And the church will wake up to this fact and will return to the perennial Roman rite going back before Bunini got his stained hands on it in 1951. It will happen. And in the meantime, those who are infected with modernism will continue to battle against the traditional liturgies because the traditional liturgies retain belief in baptismal regeneration, holy orders as conferring an ontological metaphysical character on the soul, the Mass as the eternal once-for-all sacrifice oblation of Jesus Christ of the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, the miracle of transubstantiation, that confession is necessary, sacramental penance, absolution for the remission of all mortal sins. All this theology that goes back to the New Testament is obscured in the contemporary, modern, diocesan structures. And that's not a controversial statement. Everyone knows it's true. Go poll people on transubstantiation and you'll be dearly disappointed in what you see. What do we do about this? I mean, I'm concerned that Bishop Vasquez will now shut down the traditional Latin Mass in Tyler, Texas. Because he now has, as I showed, apostolic authority over Tyler, Texas, now that Bishop Strickland has been removed there by Francis. Here it is, Diocese of Tyler, our apostolic administrator, Bishop Joe Vasquez. That's a concern. What do we do? There's a number of options here. First off, the people affected by this in Austin, Texas, need to write everyone involved. They need to write the priest involved who celebrate the traditional Latin Mass and express their concern so that they can build a case for why it needs to be there pastorally. They also need to flood the bishop's office. Hear me out. They need to flood the bishop's office with reverent, respectful, charitable emails and letters requesting the return of the traditional Latin Mass. It should be an avalanche of response. It should be the, res the biggest response that the bishop has received in his whole career as a bishop. 
And if that doesn't work, you now move on to plan B. And plan B is simply to say, I can no longer support financially the diocesan bishop's appeal because of this decision. I'm following my conscience. I will support the church. It's one of the precepts of the church. I have to support the pastors of the church. But because of this decision, I'm going to have to withdraw my financial support. And everyone watching should be financially supporting your Catholic priests and pastors and bishops, unless there's a problem here, right? And then, I know this is going to be highly controversial. Then, I think you should explore alternative means. That could mean a number of things. Driving a distance to find a traditional at Mass. Maybe you can get to Houston. Maybe you can get to Waco. Maybe you can get to DFW. Again, this is a big commitment. Maybe if this can't be rectified and it's your only option, maybe you move. Maybe you have to go somewhere else. I know that's a big commitment. It's a big sacrifice. You could say, go to Tyler, Texas, but the bishop is still in charge over there. So I don't know what to tell you on that. By the way, if you do want to move anywhere in the world to another place and you want to sell your house or put your house in the market, I always, oh, wrong camera. I always recommend real estate for life. Where's the camera? Camera's gone. Realestateforlife.org. I trust them. I think they're great. And I wish the screen would come on, but it's not working. I don't know. These things happen. Another option is, in Austin, is the Society of St. Pius X. While I'm not a member of the Society of St. Pius X parishes or communities, I believe that you can, according to the teaching of Rome, make your Sunday obligation and even donate without a venial sin. Don't have a schismatic spirit, but you should never have a schismatic spirit, says Rome. And you can make your obligation with the Society of St. Pius X. And I believe the Society of St. Pius X does have a presence in Austin. Never been there, don't know much about it, but I did read about that. So I think those are the options. And unfortunately, many bishops who restricted traditional Latin Mass, unfortunately, they're on the losing side of history. History will vindicate the traditional liturgies, the traditional sacraments, because all of those are what has formed the saints over time. And there is a disgust and a derision towards the traditional liturgy, the traditional mass, the traditional breviary, traditional sacraments, because they know, they know that it is opposed to the current deconstruction of Catholic piety. Sorry, it is a po yeah, it is in line with, sorry, I used the post. It is in line with the deconstruction of traditional Catholic piety and morality. Deep down, the infiltrators want the blessing of sexual relationships that are not in conformity with holy matrimony. Deep down, they want to have intercommunion with Lutherans and Anglicans and Methodists. Deep down, they believe that all Muslims go to heaven and that atheists go to heaven. 
And all of these deep down beliefs that they have do not conform, do not conform with traditional Catholic doctrine and morality. That's why it's not just about the liturgy, right? This battle is not just about liturgy or the traditional Latin mass. It's actually about doctrine, dogma, and morality. How are we doing on time? Should I do some comments? Yeah, we got some time here. I'm going to do some comments and some questions. Uh, we got 666 likes right now. That's totally unacceptable. We need, okay, good. We're now off of that. Like the video. If you're here, please like the video. Also, I want to say some of the things that I discuss increasingly, uh, we do put, put, put things on Rumble. But increasingly, there are certain topics that I cannot discuss on this platform. And so in order to get everything that I am putting out and producing, not just through Patreon, but other items, I want to encourage you to go to my website and sign up for my weekly newsletter because you will get videos and content that I cannot put up on this social media channel. So go to my name taylormarshall.com. That's two L's right now. Open another window, taylormarshall.com. And you get a free book, Thomas Aquinas in 50 pages. Put your email in there. I'm not going to spam you. I'm not going to send you anything that uh, I'm not going to sell your email address. Um, I will send you a weekly newsletter with some of my thoughts and with some of my content and certain things that may not appear here. So um, I, as we move forward, I think we need to be prudent and do that. So go to taylormarshall.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter. You also get other stuff. And of course, make sure you're subscribed here over on YouTube. If you're on Twitter, please follow me on Twitter, Taylor R. Marshall. Instagram. Instagram is where I put a lot more personal things. If you want to see what Taylor Marshall and his wife, Joy Marshall, are doing and and um, funny things and jokes and, and memes that I put up, I do all that over at Instagram. So you go to Dr. Taylor Marshall on Instagram. All right, we're going to jump in now to your comments and your questions. Thank you for your patience. And let's see what you guys think. Should, uh, what, should, what should the people in Austin do? What should they do? Catholic 3DOD says, the, ca the smoke of Satan is still in Vatican II so long time. That is why we need the full third secret of Fatima since 1960. Agreed. Fatima is for our time. The very fact that we just saw that, I don't know if you watched it, that Tucker Carlson interview with, with Vladimir Putin. I watched that thing and like the whole time I was thinking about Fatima. The fact that Russia is such, an, for good or for evil, currently not for Catholic good, but is such a presence on earth, I believe is tied to the secret of Fatima. One commenter says, San Antonio also has a Latin mass. Maggie O'Leary says, I'm in Austin and I refuse to attend mass at the cathedral. Why is that, Maggie? Is it because they don't have the traditional Latin mass anymore or is it another reason? Help us understand what you're talking about. We'll come back to you. Uh, here we go. Monica says, I realize the Austin Society of St. Pius X is only twice a month, but if it grows, they can get a chapel and have mass every Sunday. That's right. Or even every day. Thank you for that info. So it's twice a month, SSPX in Austin. 
Brian says, Solve at Coagula. This is the Latin that's written on the forearms of Baphomet. And I believe Marilyn Manson has it tattooed on him. And I believe uh, the author of Harry Potter, I can't remember her name right now, also has it tattooed on her. Solve means to dissolve. Coagula means to coagulate, to join together. So it's a satanic, demonic, Freemasonic slogan. It means dissolve and reassemble. In other words, build back better. BBB, which is also 666. Thank you, Brian, for reminding us of that. Hmm. House masses, says Bellator. Austin citizens should have priests invited to their homes to celebrate mass on a non-church grounds. Well, here's the problem. Where do you find these priests? Most priests are in parishes. There are priests who are hermits or who are independent, and I'm totally in favor of that. Um, I don't know, maybe get Bishop uh, Strickland to come down, do some Latin masses. But uh, yeah, I mean, house masses are great, but where do we find, Rowling, J.K. Rowling, thank you. Where do we find the priests to come and do that? Michael says, my bishop is very respectful and tolerant of the traditional Latin mass. Any recommendations to try to get him to allow a new traditional Latin mass church in my diocese? Well, I don't know which diocese you're in. And absolutely, Catholics should be constantly appealing to bishops to get the traditional Latin mass. And part of our fasting and our penance and almsgiving during the season of Lent, that should be one of the intentions as well. The, the magnification, the extension of the traditional liturgy and the traditional sacraments. Caterina de Matteo says, here in Italy, we have our Latin mass in a barn because the diocese has promised to give a church, but for year after year passes and there is no church. Again, this is the subtle, this is the subtle move. We're not denying transubstantiation, but you have to receive it in your hands. Mm. We know what you're up to. We're not stupid. We're not idiots. If you're enforcing communion in the hand, you're doing exactly what Martin Luther and John Calvin and Martin Bootser and Thomas Cramner and all the Protestant arch heretics did. They enforced communion in the hand to destroy belief in transubstantiation. We're not idiots over here. All right? We're not idiots. It is, it reduces the sense of the sacred. Even at my own dinner table, I don't allow the children to eat with their hands, unless it's pizza or something you do eat with your hands. You use a fork and knife because you're civilized for crying out loud. You know, there's a certain culture about things. And there's been a culture in the Eastern church and in the Western church for centuries that we receive communion in the mouth. Not this way. Yeah, but Taylor, there's like a church father quote but I've covered all that till I'm blue in the face. I've gone through every church father quote. We've talked about all of them, St. Basil, St. Gregory, all of them. They're all in times of persecution or in the absence of priests. Let's look more at your comments. Here's a super chat. 
Flying Tigers, Super Chat. Whoa, 35. Whoa. Thank you. Very generous. Dr. Marshall, have you read Michael Davies' trilogy on liturgical revolution and the origins of the new mass? Yes, I have. Michael Davies' trilogy is fantastic. And personally, I see Michael Davies as, as a role model. I very much want to be even 10% of what Michael Davies accomplished. He was a layman who just spoke in a everyday man's language and pointed to the beauty of the traditional Latin mass and point at the inconsistency of the conciliar hierarchy and their persecution of the traditional Latin Mass, and he was an advocate for Archbishop Lefebvre. And uh, I think the next generation of people who are doing similar things and writing books, and I try to be one of those, God willing, uh, I think we're all inspired by Michael Davies. So he's a hero, and I do recommend his trilogy. And a lot of the things you hear me say uh, are coming from Michael Davies in my study of Michael Davies. Christine Fry, about 15 years ago, I was part of a parish where the pastor forbade communion in the mouth. He would flat out refuse it during mass. Yeah, and that's when you leave. You do not go to that parish. You do not subject your children to that. And those are that's a hard reality that requires hard solutions, difficult. But yeah, this is the intolerance. By the way, they will bend over backwards as far as they can to accommodate and to pastorally accompany the most, the most sexually perverted parade activity in the world. They will drape the sacred altar of Jesus Christ The altar of sacrifice with the flag representing degeneracy and the capital sin of pride. They would do all of that for the sake of being pastoral, accompanying the sinner. And then someone comes along and says, you know, I would just like to go to go to mass, how everybody went to mass before 1970. Here's the quote from Benedict. What earlier generations held sacred remains sacred and great for us too. I just want that. How dare you be schismatic? How dare you be rigid? How dare you question the Pope? How dare you? Meanwhile, they're prancing around with rainbow glitter all over the place. It's raining men kind of stuff going on. Funding the Elton John pick Rocket Man. Kind of gets you. You know, I'm fasting. I'm a little, I'm a little testy right now. Zero calories makes a man testy, but maybe he makes it, maybe it makes him zealous to fight. Maybe it make maybe fasting makes you Maccabean. Be the Maccabee. Good Karm says, I say go ahead. It's all good with finger food, but no communion in the hand. Yeah. I need to make a t-shirt. 
the most holy Eucharist is not finger food. That'd be a good t-shirt. Dan, if you're watching, remind me. Let's make that t-shirt. The Holy Eucharist is not finger food. The Holy Eucharist is not tapas. You know, the Holy, the Holy Eucharist is not buffalo wings, nachos, or potato skins. The Holy Eucharist is God. Logos triumphant clips. Love Logos. He says, Claiming that Vatican II liturgical forms are an error and need to be sanitized is a rejection of the church's legitimate authority. I didn't say. I guess it depends on the word sanitized. Because if you look at what Vatican II, what did they do? They sanitized the old rite. So, I mean... Who's guilty of this? There's just the traditional Latin mass, right? And then there's the new one that came and reformed and sanitized and modified and changed. And I'm just saying, I don't want that one. I want the original one. That's it. Right? It's, uh, let me get logos here. Let me give it to you another way. You probably don't remember this because you got the peppy guy. You're probably a young Zoomer. You got a lot of big ideas. In the 80s, there was Coca-Cola, and they came out with Coke Zero. I mean, not Coke Zero. They came out with Coke. There's Co and there's the new formula, Coke, right? And then everyone hated Coke, and eventually they had to go back to Coca-Cola. They realized we're losing money. It's not going to work. I'm not here saying we need to fix new Coke. If you think that's what I'm saying, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's just go back to drinking Coca-Cola, the original for for formula. Right? I'm not saying let's fix the new one. Let's sanitize the new one. I'm just saying let's use the original. I love how these people, by the way, that, that one kind of ticked me off. I love how these people like to point fingers. Right and be judgmental when in reality their whole platform is being judgmental about all the saints and the liturgical tradition that came before us. It's crazy. Connor says Vatican II is a false council, though, because it contains error condemned by previous popes. That's a different take. Looks like another Zoomer with a different take. Paisley says, I am an old lady, and I remember being scandalized by the priests munching on the Eucharist. That's the other thing, you know, in the, in the 70s, they, you know, it used to be that there's the small hosts for the lady, and then there's the priest host, and it's about that big. Well, sometime in the, I think the 80s, they came out with like the big pizza hosts. I'm not sure what that's about. Again, it's an innovation. It's weird. Don't like it. All right, I'm gonna do one more commenting question. I love, by the way, for I I love when we have our older Catholics enter the chat. We we when we did the uh, webinar on Tuesday night, you know, we get we get ninety year olds in there, and I those are my favorite. These people are the marathon runners of Catholicism. They've been at it for decades. 
over twice as long as I've been alive. And they have a long memory and they remember the changes. I mean, it's a great, it's such a valuable asset to Catholics today to hear the older generation give their perspective. I love that. All right, one more comment here. Michael Levesque says, as a Texan, have you ever met Gabriel Castillo uh, of Father David Michael Moses? Nope, not ringing a bell. Don't know him. All right, friends, thanks for watching. If you want to get deeper in this, I would encourage you to get a copy of my book, Infiltration. I believe there's a link below. This is a 200-year history of how we got to the problem that we're in. There's appendix with all kinds of good info in there, like the timeline of communion in the hand, et cetera. It's a number one bestseller, Infiltration. Highly recommend it. And uh, if you want to support on Patreon, oh, the camera's not working again. If you want to support on Patreon, go to dr patreon.com, dr Taylor Marshall, patreon.com forward slash dr Taylor Marshall. I'll send you rosary, number of books. There's different levels on Patreon that you can support. When you're on Patreon, you're supporting my writing, my podcast, my videos. I'm hoping to get in and start doing some documentaries here soon. And it's the Patreon community that supports this work. So if you want to be part of that, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I'll send you some free merch, some signed books to thank you. And then you'll be part of the creative team that's enabling me to do this. So again, if you want to do that, patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Really do appreciate everyone who supports as does my wife and my children. Thank you. All right. We're going to pray the, uh, we'll pray the Our Father for the intention of the church, and we'll pray the Our Father for all the faithful in Austin, Texas. Oremos. Nomine Patris et Fidi, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panam nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. All holy popes, pray for us. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, again, I am, have more content that I can't release because of restrictions on social media. So if you want to get all the content that I'm releasing, including things that I don't put on YouTube, don't put on Twitter, go to my website and sign up for my weekly newsletter, taylormarshall.com. Go to taylormarshall.com, sign up for the newsletter. You'll get one email a week from me on content I'm creating, and sometimes you'll be getting stuff that is not featured here. A little bit more controversial, if you know what I'm talking about. And until next time, remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth, so go out there and be salty. If you want to watch the replay of the fasting and Lenten webinar we did two nights ago, it's absolutely fantastic. Lots of energy. It'll encourage you and give you ideas for Lent and how to fast and I'll give you a reading plan on how to read the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of John, and do the 33-day consecration during Lent. It's all in that webinar. So click the link below this video, and you can get in that webinar and get all the resources and all the free stuff I give you. It's totally free, by the way, right? It's just a gift for Lent. All right, God bless, and Godspeed.